Welcome to Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. It is episode one here. This is Ad Free Show's first ever live pro wrestling daily news show. And we are your hosts here. I am House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And I am WWE creative-ish on Twitter, former WWE writer Robert Karpolis, and could not be more thrilled to be here for our first episode of Rumor and Innuendo. Yeah, it's going to be a big one, guys. we got a lot to get into here. Obviously, CM Punk came back at the end of Survivor Series. Uh, we also have Jade Cargo. What's going on with her at the Performance Center? Ronda Rousey popped up in Ring of Honor. The AEW Continental Classic is in full swing. And, of course, NWA Power was moved to the CW app here over the holidays. So much to get into and more. I want to encourage everybody out there that's watching the show, jump into the comments section wherever you're at, Twitter, YouTube, you can be like Mr. Nice Guy Rye here, who's psyched for the show. We got Dominic Melikor. What a time to be a fan. As we're going along here, jump on in. Let us know what you think about these stories, Robert. You know, we want to hear from the people. We do. We we are a, a democratic society, much like the new WWE, apparently, uh, because, look, uh, Saturday night, hell kind of froze over, as Triple H tweeted out. And your good, close, personal friend, CM Punk, showed up at Survivor Series. Look, I was prepared to start this episode hounding you about where CM Punk, why did he not show up at Survivor Series? And there he was. I feel bad, Robert, because like, like everybody, right? I was telling people to not get excited about Punk showing up at Survivor Series, right? That was, that was the general belief here right up until showtime and there's a reason for that so punk just to kind of in case you've been living in a cave or whatever and have no idea what happened see a punk shows up at the end of survivor series after the men's war games match he unfortunately does not show up at the press conference which i was present for we'll talk a little bit about that here in a second that's probably why he didn't show up they said hausman's here and he was like mm, ain't gonna happen boss that's not it's not the way we're doing it today i'm not i'm not jumping back into that again so Spindrift and Muffins stayed in the back. Um, but Paul Triple H Levesque, very unlike him for, for these press conferences, usually the closer usually comes out last. This time he comes out first, addresses everything but Punk. Uh, we finally get some time with him. He confirms that this thing came together very, very quickly. Not many people knew about it. Uh, I pressed him about whether or not this was TKO's idea. Obviously, TKO Group Holdings the new owners of WWE, Ari Emanuel, what, is, what are his desires? Did he want CM Punk back in the fold? And and Hunter laid it out. He said, no, this was me and Nick Khan. We got together. We wanted to do this. We made it happen. Um, and for what it's worth, the observers uh, gone out, looked into that, and they claim that that is actually true. So before we get into all this other stuff here, your reaction to this, Robert, and the fact that Hunter and Nick Khan spearheaded this initiative to bring him back in this kind of cloak of secrecy. I think I like everybody else is really happy to see CM Punk back in a lot of ways where he belongs. I think triple H set, I'm not going to call him Paul triple H Levesque. We don't have that kind of time. Uh, I think the way that he laid it out that I'm different punks, different, this company's different. This is the perfect time and environment for CM Punk. All the reasons the AEW run didn't work out are going to be alleviated here. I think he's getting three things out of this 
that he was not getting out of AEW. I think first and foremost, there's leadership and structure within WWE. So he does not need to feel this massive weight on his shoulders of all this additional responsibility. He can let Hunter, he can let Sean, he can let everybody backstage and NXT everywhere else do what they need to do. Second, he's passionate about this idea of working with young talent. And in WWE, they are more than welcome to let him go down to NXT, let those those hungry young wrestlers get a chance to pick his brain. The biggest problems he ran into in AEW were guys like Hangman Adam Page and Jungle Boy Jack Perry didn't want to hear from him. And right. all you keep hearing about an NXT is they want to hear from him. And then the third piece is the the revenue stream that's going to be occurring here for him. This is a great mutual benefit. They are going to market the hell out of Punk. His logo is going to be on everything this upcoming holiday season. On top of which, his prior legacy is now restored. You are now mm -hmm. able to use all that video footage. He's now part of the lexicon. You see what they did with Cody. Cody now top merchandise sales guy. You see what they do with LA Knight. LA Knight top merchandise merchandise sales guy. Imagine when that engine is fired up behind CM Punk. Yeah, and you know, this is I mean, it really is about as storybook as you could get it. You know, I'm happy that I was not fully sold on this thing happening. In fact, was a little sold it wasn't going to happen. Stuff like that where even I get surprised is still exciting, right? And at the same time, we just saw Vince McMahon step down, right? He's no longer a part of this creative process. Hunter here and Nick Khan really making their first big, big move as like, we're the guys in charge here. We saw Jade. Jade was obviously a big move from them, but this is next level, right? And Paul Levesque is getting to show in this moment that he is just like Vince in a good way and that he will put any bad blood behind him, any kind of ill will he has with other people, if it's going to make this company money, which he did opens the door for Mercedes Monet to come back. It was just the kind of power move. I think we needed to see from, from Hunter here out the gate in this new position. I don't know if you agree with that. I do. The most shocking day when I was working at WWE was the day that Bret Hart showed up at the TV studio. Oh yeah. And there was oh. that picture of Bret and Vince shaking hands and I'm going, I will never experience a moment like that again. And this time as a fan watching Survivor Series, the, you know, they put the copyright logo up at the end. And then afterwards you hear that, that music and you realize more than anything else, Triple H is the right guy to be running this going forward. And I think that's the message that's going to be sent to TKO. It is business first. It is personal relationship second. And to, to kind of lean a little bit from what he talked about with Jade Cargill, is yeah. with Triple H, they mentioned with Jade, there's five to 10 people you're already excited to see her work with. There's already five to 10 ready-made programs for CM Punk day one, starting tonight in Nashville. All right. Well, hey, let's get into potential opponents here because the we're, we're only just getting going with the rumor and innuendo here around uh, CM Punk's return. So we, we got out of the way what Triple H says here. Uh, the Observer, uh, they're saying, like, this deal came together within 10 days. So less than two weeks before Survivor Series is when this whole thing gets initiated. It's a multi-year agreement. There's not expected to be a lot of issues. And Fightful saying that this this call between uh, Hunter, or this, there's a meeting that took place between Hunter and Punk on November 19th. It was an hour long. They were able to clear the air. That's how the wheels got put into motion for this whole thing to happen. And nobody knew, again, until the day, a very, very select group of people, producers, referees, staff, talent, head writers of the creative team, all unaware 
Uh, this all according to Fightful. They say that Hunter walked in to the gorilla position area. He calls for the copyright to put up. He calls for CM Punk's music to play. He single-handedly orchestrates those final closing moments there of the show, which I don't, I don't know that I don't that he may just be doing that a lot. I don't want to be too like dramatic about him coming into his place of work and doing his job. Cause it sounds like, I'm, am I wrong for feeling that I'm like being very big and over the top about like, yeah, he ran a portion of the show. I don't know. Yeah, the, it- the effort that that takes uh, when you're in gorilla and you have all those buttons in front of you, it's literally just, you push a button, you talk to Kevin and okay. just say, you know, Hey, we're going to put this up and uh, hold, let's say uh, it's slot 32 for uh, eight seconds. And slot 32 could be punks music and video. And then cue it up. This is not this big dramatic, like (laughs) the movie network. He's running in, he's throwing papers everywhere. My God, we have to take this thing over. It's not that dramatic. But the the execution, you got the moment of punk coming out there. It was great. You didn't see a lot of the fallout. The fallout has been primarily from fan video, which from a narrative perspective, and I, I look at this as someone who was so handcuffed on the creative team of trying to be able to come up with any kind of fun ideas. The fact that Seth Rollins's uh, tantrum, his reaction, his flicking the middle finger and screaming profanity uh, was all captured by fan video, which makes it feel authentic. And then it's the, well, was this real? Was this supposed to happen? Seth's a professional outside of, you know, Nick Hausman who riled up Seth Rollins in an interview and got him to, uh, you know, destroy CM Punk's professional reputation. Sure. These guys are all about business. And that, again, goes back to why Punk has picked the right time to come here. No one is going to let their ego get in the way of making money. And I think that Seth Rollins, first and foremost, he's your he's your world champion. He's a guy you want to make sure is happy. He's going to be thrilled with the amount of money he's going to potentially make off of Punk. Yeah, and Robert is, of course, referring to the, the fan cam videos of Seth Rollins absolutely losing his mind. Uh, he's flipping off CM Punk. He's cursing. He's being held back by Michael Cole. Uh, yeah, Fightful, uh, again, saying that this whole situation even kind of spilled over backstage with Rollins kind of continuing this, what's largely believed to be a work. Punk looked kind of confused by it because I'm guessing, like, again, uh, it sounds like the talent involved in the match did not know Punk was coming out until either A, just before the match, or B, I've heard during the match, some of these guys were finding out that was Punk was coming out. So depending on when they heard it, they could just be winging it, right? Like they don't know how to react. The The range of reactions was great. You got Rollins freaking out. You got Randy Orton grabbing a chair, taking a seat, waving at him like they're good buddies, you know? But at the end of the day, I'm hearing what you're, what you're saying, Robert. Everybody I'm talking to over there about like, hey, what's the locker room reaction? Are people upset? Like I've had at least two people there of note be like, Dude, who cares if they're upset or not? It's their job. They're going to show up. They're going to do their job. And if they don't like it, maybe they could get two jobs and also join the creative team, which was one little anecdote I got from someone else. So it's a very different vibe than AEW, right? Where that's not always the case, where there is some pushback from talent and things based on that. No, Punk's here. We're going to do this. And you're all making millions of dollars for the most part enjoy the ride. That seems to be the vibe. Well, that was why the situation with Punk and AEW highlighted less his relationship with Tony Khan and more Tony Khan's relationship with the overall locker room that if you were in the WWE, you would never be able to vocalize your disappointment as publicly as people were and have it be heard. 
if you have a problem with CM Punk being there as a guy who's now going to bring eyeballs to the product, who's now going to line your pockets with more money, you're in the wrong business. And Vince previously and Hunter now currently will not allow that to exist in WWE. And that's going to work for everybody's benefit. Um, we got a cu- we got a question here from YouTube. Uh, Chris Wayne asking, "What do you think is the difference in how Punk sees TK compared to Triple H? Does it come down to a respect factor? Because Triple H is one of the boys. I actually think it's probably because Triple H, kind of like Vince, isn't really one of the boys anymore, right? Like he's kind of made that decided step to go be a, a boss man and a family man, right? He's not going out after shows. He's not having those raucous kind of nights." And he's not he's not partying. I mean, look, Tony Khan, he's a younger guy, right? He, I, I don't really know what his relationship status is. Single, maybe, whatever, but enjoys a, a nice uh, evening out after a show. I'll say that, it would seem. Paul Triple H Levesque is not doing that. Paul Triple H Levesque. You got to stop with the Paul Triple H Levesque, dude. It's, Sorry. It's, it's Triple H. We're <laughs> okay, good. Fine. It's Hunter. It's Triple H. It's- I'll, I'll call him Hunter <laughs> if that makes you feel better. Hunter's not doing that, right? And I think that there is, I don't know if it's a respect thing, but I do think there's a perception that Punk has uh, for a guy like Hunter as compared to Tony Khan. Um, and that's just time and grace and experience, all that that comes along, I think, with where Hunter's got himself. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I, I'll co-sign on all that. Co-sign. All right, wonderful. Well, uh, we talked about Rollins getting all crazy. McIntyre also was seen looking visibly upset, moved to the back before Punk could even come out. Fightful said he also looked upset when Punk, it was announced, was going to be part of this night or whatever it was. And so he takes off. A lot of speculation about what's going on with Drew. For what it's worth, Drew and Seth both did promos at a holiday live event tour show last night. And um, McIntyre was a little more vague about it. He was very vague about it, just kind of saying, I'm sure you've all heard rumors about what's going on and then just kind of reiterates his desire to be world champion. Rollins, on the other hand, does a very different tack. Rollins goes out, grabs a microphone to close the show, and he full-on says, I'm not going to spend more time talking about this guy who's been gone for eight years. I want to talk about the people here and not those that have been trying to tear down this company. Uh, Robert, how did you feel about uh, this live event tour getting pulled into this? Well, you gotta you gotta address the elephant in the room somewhere. You can't just ignore everything that happened with Punk the night prior. I like that they're pulling in the the live events as sort of being somewhat within continuity. They said something without saying anything. I think Drew's being upset. Number one, it, it's he's upset after War Games where his team lost, and he is still someone who is fully committed not only to to kayfabe but to the idea of blurring the lines. His entire feud right now with Jey Uso has been blurring the lines of what's going on in in real life, what's going on on TV, his frustrations. So it would make sense that that would occur there. Yeah, And I think you you have to have a little bit of sympathy, not just for Drew, but for all 10 of those guys in that main event match who went out there and killed themselves. And the very first thing we're talking about the Monday after Survivor Series is not – what an insane war games. What a great Randy Orton return. What a great R-Truth return. No, it is. Can you believe CM Punk came out there? That's amazing. And when you're putting your body on the line day after day, it's got to be a little frustrating. I, I love what Rollins is doing here right now because it's like he's trying to out-punk punk. 
He's like, oh, you're the guy that has everybody asking questions about what's going on. Well, what if everybody starts talking about what's going on with Seth Rollins because he's acting crazy all the time, little Pillman-esque? I love it. I'm very excited to see what these two do together because they have a lot of history together. I mean, a lot of history. Obviously, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff before that Ring of Honor, but just locally, you know, these guys grew up maybe 100 miles apart from each other, Chicago and uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee, somewhere up just north of me, uh, Black and Brave Academy with Seth Rollins. So Milwaukee area, I think. Um, so so there's just a lot for these two to do. They know each other very, very well. And tonight on Monday Night Raw, it's been announced CM Punk, Randy Orton, both going to be on the show. Rollins will be there. And, and we're going to find out what's going to happen uh, with this thing going forward. I, I, it kind of feels like they're going straight to Rollins Punk. I, I don't know about you. That was the takeaway given Seth's reaction. But the problem that you run into with it is from a creative standpoint, Seth's position is going to be, you're the guy who tried to tear everybody down for the last decade. So now you have WWE fans that are going to be like, yeah, you know what? Screw this guy. We're behind Seth Rollins. And then you've got the punk fans that are, we're happy to see punk back. We want to see this. They're going to have to find a delicate line. I think the, the best sacrificial lambs in the situation are either a judgment day or Nakamura to kind of pivot a little bit. Sure. I do not want to see them going right to CM Punk versus Seth Rollins and splitting the crowd, but the intrigue, the excitement, this is why being a fan is so much fun. And the anticipation of just tuning in to see how raw opens, not a feeling you necessarily have every week. My gut, my gut instinct is that tonight we are going to see CM Punk return to action against Dominic Mysterio. It just it just seems like the right thing to do, doesn't it? I uh, I would put him in there with JD McDonough, but yeah, I think McDonough's he's he's kind of the new Okay. He's the he's Dolph Ziggler guy who can make everybody look good. I don't know that I would give away Punk's first match tonight, but I no? think the first person he I think the first person he wrestles is JD. You're you're trying to extract as much out of this as possible. You're going to okay. get an Orton segment. You're going to get a Punk segment. You're going to get a Seth segment. You can stretch all these out. You're going to get a Judgment Day segment. You're going to be able to have other matches. I don't know that you're necessarily letting CM Punk wrestle night one, especially given how fragile he's been physically the last few times he's wrestled. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, my th my thought is they're coming out, coming out of this guns blazing. I'm not saying he has to go out there and work a classic. You know, seven, he can just do seven minutes. Light and easy. He's really, really good at that. You know, it doesn't even have to aim clean or anything like that. But I do like the idea of having to go through JD to get to Dom. That Dom is now somehow more important on the pecking order. I let um, probably yeah, true. Yeah, I think he is. I, I think that uh, Dom's heel status does well enough that him just going out there and getting the booze works. But I think you want to bubble wrap Punk as much as possible. And JD is probably a guy that can do that. Finn's a guy that can do that. Um, there's just so many fantastic opportunities that they have going forward with him there. You could do a multi-man tag, quite frankly, if you want to hide him and hide Orton. It's a, it's a lot of it's going to rest on Adam Pierce and how yeah. well, and how much faith they have in letting him go out there and dictate what the steps are. I, I am, I, you know, punk is always so good. Anti-authority, you know, it is, nobody's even talking about it really quite yet, but like punk battling Hunter, like Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, you're not going to get the action there because Hunter can't really, you know, do that anymore. But it's going to be fun to watch when we get to that point. I mean, it's, at some point, we're going to see that play out in some capacity. I would have to imagine, right? Yes. I, I think okay. we'll get 
we'll get a, uh, a number of different iterations of Punk's pipe bomb. And it's funny because if you watch Survivor Series and listen to the way Cole was talking on commentary throughout the evening, he mentions Edge. He mentions Ric Flair. He mentions indirectly all in. So they were already kind of flexing a little bit that they knew that they had this ace up their sleeve by the end of the night. And I think that was really, really fun. And seeing how much they're going to let Punk say, Tony Khan, I think, uh, already came out and basically said, I can't comment on this because of legal matters that are going on. So yeah. I don't know what Punk can or cannot say. Well, I don't understand that comment from Tony. And I, again, I will take Tony Khan at his word that legally there's some reason there. But I'm not under the impression that Punk has any litigation uh, going on with AEW. Uh, I saw the Wrestle Purist people saying that they were of the belief that Punk was never under a non-compete clause. He was free and clear the day he got let go for what it's worth. I am also under that impression that that particular bit of rumor innuendo and innuendo is accurate as well. So I don't think that Punk has been formally tied to AEW or Tony Khan in any capacity. Uh, I think he just got let go or not let go. They fired him. They just cut ties. The man cut ties and do- fired him. But let me let me lobby you because you're you're now giving a timeline of okay. this Hunter meeting supposedly happening ten days ago, eleven days ago, whatever it right. was. I'm curious how that aligns with Tony Khan making the initial announcement that he was going to unveil Osprey, that maybe he knew and wanted to get ahead of things. Man, I because so- that came out of nowhere. I'm catching up on AEW t- this morning because I was very logged in with holidays. And so and, and I watched all the WWE stuff to make sure I was caught up for Survivor Series. But I'm watching Dynamite and Collision today. I-, I was just watching the MJF Samoa Joe bat- like promo battle. And he's like, I'll-, I'll beat another Chicago hero. I already beat one of yours twice. Yeah. Right. Then on Collision, you got Malachi Black dropping a CM Punk reference. Sure to me, seems like they knew this thing probably was coming right so i i i'll be yeah that that that's what i think i do think i don't know if i went overly answered your question <laughs> no i think you did i think you did okay. i think that it's tony's just trying to find his reaction in advance because now he's been put back on his heels the question that got posed to him was always plugging all in next year and i i feel bad for him that it's they've co-opted it uh and sometimes those press conferences nick occasionally can go awry. I, I don't know if you've heard that rumor in innuendo. I, I have heard that. I've, I've experienced that blood, sweat, and spindra firsthand rumor in innuendo. And by the way, I see we have some questions piling up here in the, in the comment section. We'll, we'll get to them. We'll, we, we'll probably stick around here a couple extra minutes past the half hour mark today. It's the debut episode. We want to make sure everybody tries to get heard. Um, but I do want to kind of focus in on this point real quick as we're talking about Tony Khan's reaction. The, si- the signal being sent to AEW and, and the signal being sent to fans about AEW. You know, we, we talk about the press conference. I didn't get punk. They did let me ask a question to Paul. Thank you, by the way. But then I got to, then it, uh, Cody came on stage and I'm like, dude, you got to ask Cody about punk. <laughs> like, you know, like, what are we even doing here if you're not going to? Because I didn't want to get into the nitty gritty and have like this like long conversation in the scrum, which we very nearly did. But he, one of his last promos on AEW television was a pipe bomb promo that was like an homage to Punk, who was still with the company at that time, right? Like, there's certainly an air of at least appreciation for Punk. Now, on top of that, you get the fact that they are arguably the two biggest names to have ever worked for AEW. 
and they both left, right? Cody was all grins and joking about his former EVP status on that stage. And he was talking about how they got a hungry punk. They got one more person on the boat that's going to help them get where they need to be going. What do you think? What do you what should we take away from the spot that AEW is being put in here with another big name jumping to WWE? So the Cody departure and Cody showing up in WWE was the single most troubling thing for me about the health and viability of AEW. They let Cody go on television and talk openly on their airwaves that he does not have a contract with them. And he is seen as one of the founders and someone who theoretically has at least a decent working relationship with Tony Khan. So for him to leave, go to WWE and find the success that he did signal this is not the old Monday Night War. This is not you jump ship from WWF to WCW and then jump back to WWF and you kind of get buried. Like Vince didn't get guys that he didn't make. Hunter has shown we're willing to take anybody with open arms. And AEW, the guys who've made the jump the other way, I'm not going to speak for Adam Copeland. Adam Copeland's an amazing guy. I don't know how over the moon thrilled he is about the decision that he's made going over to All Elite Wrestling. Man, it, it is an interesting time over there. You know, there at the t- at this moment where it seems like AEW needs to be doing something to get their cool factor going, right? Something to get people talking. They just can't seem to find that groove. Why? Why do you well, think? I, that- I disagree, Nick. You're, they're oh, giving God. you a tournament that involves math. And wrestling fans love complicated tournaments that involve math. All right. We'll get to, you know what? We're not going to have to work. I'm going to take some of the news we don't get to here today. We'll roll over tomorrow. But since we're talking the Continental Classic, the Gold League involves Mark Briscoe, John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Jay Lethal, Jay White. The Blue League has Andrade El Idolo, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia. Now, each of these brackets, the men are going to compete round robin style going into December 30th AEW world's end event where the winners of both bracket will compete against each other. Now, like Robert said, there's some math involved here because if you win an inner league round robin style bout, you get three points. You get one points. If you go to the 20 minute draw, you get no points, obviously for a loss. Now, all of these are going to play out over collision dynamite and rampages heading into world's end. Now here's the kicker. Eddie Kingston's in the bat, in the tournament, but he's also ROH World Champion and New Japan Strong Champion. Well, he's putting his titles on the line in every match that he competes in, so the, the titles could switch hands during the tournament several times, possibly. But ultimately, whoever wins this match, they're not match, this tournament, is going to get both those titles and a brand new AEW Continental Championship so that the winner can carry a Triple Crown title across AEW, New Japan, and Ring of Honor. Did you get all of that? Did you did you follow it all? Did you get it all? I've I look. I've been in working in the wrestling business for almost twenty years, and I'm an attorney, and I have absolutely no idea what eighty percent of what you just said was. Like I picture the the Charlie Day gif where he's got like the map behind him with all the little pins. Just have a tournament, dude. Just have a one off tournament. If you and the problem is, AEW has the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament which has shown that the winner gets literally nothing. So you get invested in a tournament where the winners, nothing happens the day after. And now you're doing a tournament here because in part, he just wants to have really great matches. And 
this feels like a mechanism for him just to have a bunch of really great matches with all of his favorite action figures. And the people are going to potentially enjoy him, but there's no emotional investment. They did yes. Shane Strickland versus Jay Lethal because, yeah, those guys are going to have a great match. Number one, those are heel versus heel. Number two, Shane Strickland was just coming off of a death match where he basically should be hooked up to an IV in the hospital and at least pretending to sell the fact that he's almost dead, not wrestling in the an opening round match against another heel in a tournament that no one fully understands. So what do you think the answer here is, Robert? If, if you're in this position that Tony's in where your competition is just leveling haymakers right now, getting all that attention, and you're just trying to get your groove back, what do you do in a situation like that? The problem that Tony's run into is his go-to has always been surprise signings. Whenever there's been a panic, it's good news, we just signed this guy. Look at your talent roster. He has a ballooned talent roster with way too many guys for him to really be able to truly focus on. Pick the guys that are going to be your bread and butter going forward. Craft storylines that have a beginning, middle, and here's the key, an end. Well, hey. And make it pay off. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. Right now, it's literally just who is the devil? And uh. we know it's not going to be punk. And outside of... People seem to think strongly that it's going to be Britt Baker. Other than that, there is no, like, it's not going to be Rikishi. So I'm curious to see what the payoff is going to be. My guess is that it's going to be Ole Anderson because he really wants to pay off the Black Scorpion. But you got to just trust that some of the talent that you have tell logical stories and let the audience be emotionally invested in it. The, the MJF J white feud went so many different directions with so many different stories being told. And then day of your pay-per-view, the story became, is Max even going to be able to wrestle? Yeah. You, you have a once in a generation talent in MJF. He's a guy that you need to protect and build and let him be the star of your company and figure out what it is that you want from this going forward. Because right now, unfortunately it feels like a vanity project for Tony, as opposed to trying to be a truly viable other company that's going to be able to compete with WWE. And if that's yeah. all he wants it to be cool, have, have fun tournaments, put on five-star matches. You will absolutely have an audience, but that audience is never going to grow and eclipse your, your competition. And at the end of the day, you want people clamoring to go join your company. And I don't feel that same fervor right now. You know, it is interesting. I do feel like maybe the goal, uh, for the company has shifted a little bit, right? Are they trying to overtake WWE or are they trying to present a kind of product that Tony really likes that other fans in a niche really like, and they just want to be, you know, look, they're doing a G1. That's what this is, right? Like they're trying to bring that kind of Japanese style to North America, to the United States. And if that's what they want it to be, they just want it to be this genuine alternative. They're not expecting it to overtake WWE. Maybe they're executing on their goal right now, you know? That may be. And I think part of it is you have to look at two different companies that have completely different economic structures. WWE is trying to appease TKO and shareholders. Every move, every decision. Hunter opened up that press conference with talking about the revenue numbers they brought in from ad sales, the number of people that were in the building, number of people viewing this. You need to forward your business because you want shareholders to invest in your company. AEW. At the end of the day, Tony is the one that needs to answer for how much the company is making or losing. 
So his goals are very much different. And if this is satisfying what he wants and it's finding an audience of people who are excited about it, that's fantastic. You want every wrestling company to thrive and succeed. But if this company is not in the green and it is in the red, how long are you going to be able to sustain what could in some manner be perceived as a hobby when he's already doing work for the Jaguars? He's already doing work for his football club. He's getting pulled in a lot of directions. And we saw it with, with TNA and Dixie. Eventually, somebody wants to start making some money. What's going on? And like, you know, we don't have to, we're going to jump into some questions here in just a second. So tomorrow we'll kind of continue on this conversation. We'll get into the Billy CW stuff and whatever other big news is going on here uh, when, when we get back tomorrow. Uh, but what's going on with the Bucks? Like, that's something I'm really interested in right now. You know, they, they're being the elite is done. They're going to go away. Brandon Cutler is going to be their talking piece. Like, I, I see, you know, we talked a little bit about this on the pilot, and I see what Fightful is reporting about how everything is fine between everybody there. But the timing of it all just seems really odd to me, especially like if we think that they knew around Osprey signing that Punk could be heading back, or we or we think that they maybe even knew a week or so ago. If the Bucks know that Punk's coming back, why, why is that the time then for them to kind of take this sabbatical here? Are they tied? Are they not tied? Do I need to go back to doing my Charlie Day tinfoil hat thing? It's just a little odd to me, right? I, that's all I'm saying. It's just I'm interested, and I've been asking around about it, you know? I think that the Bucks realize that in almost every way possible, they are going to be heels right now, so they're going to try to lean into it. And part of that is taking away being the elite. Part of that is leaning on Brandon Cutler and saying, we're, we're taking a sabbatical. It feels, I'm hoping, storyline-driven. And that eventually these guys are going to be pursuing the, the the tag titles as heels, hopefully against FTR, which would be a fresh version of that matchup. If one's a babyface, one's a heel. Yeah. But the Bucks are becoming increasingly problematic for AEW because they're divisive, and there doesn't seem to be this olive branch across. AEW feels very siloed. It feels like you're either in the in the Brian Danielson camp. With, with him and Moxley and those guys, you're in the Chris Jericho camp, you're in the Bucks camp, or you're just a guy in catering hoping that they remember that you work there. Well, and I think that the Bucks and Jericho camp kind of intertwine. I think I think those are all kind of maybe... They they are now. They've been, yeah. They haven't as much in the past, but it may be a... We all, hey, look, rising tide lifts all ships, but... Well, but Ed, when you... But you look again to the contrast over at WWE where we're talking about punk coming into this new space. And I couldn't, I mean, I know clicks of guys that play video games together over there, but I couldn't tell you about clicks of guys that are trying to like hurt each other, take each other down. And again, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying that like, it's not this fervent thing that is been made public and becomes kind of its own kind of storyline over in the company. I don't think there's an appetite for those sorts of clicks anymore. And I don't think that people get, the ear of somebody and the voice anymore. Yeah. I think that's the difference in, in AEW. Tony can be very easily swayed. It seems by who was the last voice in his ear. Yeah. And he wants to make a lot of people happy. Vince never cared about really making people happy with the exception of his top two or three guys. Hunter has sort of laid it out in the, I'm willing to listen to everybody and what their position is at the end of the day, this is what we're doing. And they believe that what he's doing is going to be, I hate to use the phrase, but he's doing his best for business. It's not best for political cronyism. 
Uh, it's not best for back when he was an active wrestler and you had the click or you had evolution. Everybody across the board is kind of finding a spot and a way for them to get themselves over and establish who they are on TV. So everybody's kind of happy. AEW side, you get invested in a talent, you love this talent, and then they can disappear for weeks or months at a time. You look no further than the acclaimed, who were the hottest act in wrestling a year ago, and then intermittently on and off TV for weeks. It's it's baffling, but it's also one guy trying to book a number of television shows versus Hunter, who has a, a committee of people to work with. He has an entire creative team, but he's filtering those ideas and taking the best ones versus ignoring that creative team and just, you know, doing the old Vince McMahon thing of trusting his gut. All right, let's get to a couple questions here before we wrap it up. Uh, quickly, uh, Sega, Sega Apostle, awesome name. How do you think uh, CM Punk's return affects people like LA Knight and Jay Uso? Jay Uso, I think it pushes them down the card and can hurt morale. And that is something Fightful said, as they heard from a top talent. Paul Levesque may have uh, cost himself some trust with members of the locker room that he's been looking to build it up with by bringing Punk back in general and doing it in the way that he did. So Jey Uso and LA Knight are two extremely different talent. I think Jey Uso has shown, to my previous point, everybody has a chance to elevate themselves. You know, he was being called main event Jey Uso. Now he truly feels like a main event guy. I yeah. don't think Punk is taking a spot from him. I think LA Knight, I'm going to pause because I know the internet's going to come after me with forks. He is not that guy. He is a great merchandise mover. He is a guy who cuts to a lot of people, very entertaining promos. They gave him the big match with Roman Reigns. He was not even a part of Survivor Series, even without CM Punk being there. I don't think Punk is taking his spot. I think Punk is going to be used as a, a main guy to be able to elevate certain talents. I don't see him eating Jey Uso's lunch, and I don't see this impacting LA Knight at all. Yeah. Uh, Coach Keith Morrison, do we see CM Punk headline uh, at WrestleMania against Seth or Roman? You know, Seth saying, I'm not going to give you this title shot. Punk wins the Rumble and gets the title shot. It's not a terrible scenario. What do you think uh, could happen here? Yeah, that's the, I mean, it's the one thing Punk has never done. He has never truly main evented at WrestleMania. I know our, our fellow ad-free shows, brethren Bruce Pritchard, likes to say no matter where you are on the card, you could still be a main event even if you're not the last match. No, uh, there's no rumor in you here. That's not the case. You want to be the guy at the end of the night who's the last person standing in the ring. Punk has never done that. I think if he's healthy and the storyline makes sense, then yes, you you go with you go with Punk and Seth in a very personal story for WrestleMania. Punk and Roman is intriguing just because of the Paul Heyman factor, but that match would be uh, not not the greatest, depending on Punk's physical status. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, so night one, night two, you still think a main event's a main event, right? It, we'll oh. see how we'll see how history <laughs> views that. Well, it's it's it is because there isn't that one spot anymore. So yes, I think that there is. Main eventing one of the nights. Obviously, whoever main okay. events night two, which is Roman, that's the real main event. See, but that's the thing is Punk and Seth I, feels like a night one main event to me. It and does. then Ro Roman, Cody, Roman, Rock, maybe maybe a combo of whoever. That feels like night two to me. And that's a damn fine WrestleMania. Don't get me wrong. But again, not 
the last, last, last match potential. You know, I, I don't think he's going to get the last, last, last match unless something truly catches fire. Look, two years ago, if you would have told me Sami Zayn was going to be a viable main event babyface in WWE, I would have called you a liar. And he got the opportunity. He caught hot at the right time. His elimination chamber match with Roman was insane. And him and Kevin Owens got a main event spot. The tag titles main evented WrestleMania. And if Punk can find that right combination and there's a way to make money off of it, why the hell not? And a lot of those wrestlers are savvy enough to understand this makes sense. It's not the gripe years ago when they felt Rock came in and took a bunch of people's spots for a part-time status. It doesn't sound like Punk's going to be part-time. And if he's giving his all, if he was wrestling the way he was wrestling on Collision, where they were just letting him go out there and have matches... I think there's a lot of opportunity for Punk to change some hearts and minds, and I think he knows that. This is his last chance to fix his uh, his legacy. All right, last question here for the day. We'll get to more questions tomorrow, some of the news we didn't get here today. If you were just craving my insight on Billy Corgan and NWA on the CW, come back tomorrow. By the way, your feud with him could main event WrestleMania. Hey, bring it on. Let's smash the pumpkins. Mr. Nice Guy Rye says, have you heard from anyone in the AEW camp about Punk's arrival in WWE since last Saturday night? Well, Mr. Nice Guy Rye, what kind of a intrepid journalist would I be if I hadn't reached out to people in AEW? Of course I've reached out to people in AEW. I've heard back from people at AEW. I've heard back from a couple of people kind of higher up in AEW, I would say. And I have not heard one person say to me anything less than, I'm happy for punk. I like punk. I had one person higher up in AEW tell me that they they think this is great for everyone, right? This is good for pro wrestling, that everyone is once again talking about pro wrestling. I will also say that I, I believe the collision numbers are going to come out here later today. Um, I got a hold of the, the whatever you want to call them, fast nationals. I didn't share them on socials, but I got the overnight viewership numbers for collision. And they from what I see did better this week head to head with survivor series than they did last week with collision, which was, uh, I think the one they went up to up, up against SmackDown on. Right. So it's been a rough ride for them, but I think they, I think they did better than, I mean, look, it's still not great, but they held up better than I think they would have expected. And who knows, maybe there will be a bump on Wednesday night of people that are interested to see how Tony Khan and MJF and the whole crew, if they will respond to what happened with CM Punk making the leap. I don't know. Maybe that'll create interest. I think it's a very diplomatic way for them to put this. I think there has to be some worry and concern on their end. If Punk goes to WWE as a model citizen and this becomes a huge success. Yeah, it's going to be quite a time. It's going to be very interesting. All right, everybody. Well, hey. We'll be back tomorrow. You can tune in live here, wherever you watched it today. Uh, watch us on YouTube. We're on all these different Twitter channels at WWE Creative Ish, at Wrestling House, at Nick underscore Houseman, ad free shows, all those spots. If you can't catch us live in video form when we lay down the show, please go over to your favorite podcast platform, Rumor and Innuendo. We use the ampersand. Is it pronounced ampersand or ampersand? It's ampersand. That's our hot take here. Okay. And your last name is. Carpalus? It's been Carpalus for 40 years, so yeah. <laughs> I've, co- I've repeatedly called him Robert Carpellis because of, I grew up in Texas, you know, so close to Mexico, so it's like a Carpellus, right? It's like Oh, a, it's you, like... I'm sorry. You think Vince pronounced it properly or took the time? <laughs> sorry. 
Carpalus, carpal tunnel syndrome. That's what I remember it now as. It's a good way to remember it. It's a little mnemonic device. I'm glad you're ending this on bullying. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Hey, I'm Gunther, baby. You can be my Miz all day. I haven't bullied you enough, Robert. Um, and also, of course, go over to houseofwrestling.com, H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. Me, the team, we're doing great work over there. It was the most traffic month we've ever had in the site was this month, November, and that's all thanks to you. Robert, anything you want to plug before we get out of here today? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. I have another uh, wonderful podcast here on the ad-free shows network called Wrestle Roasts. Uh, it's a slightly more comedic take. We do roasts of uh, other wrestlers. It's a blast. This has been a blast. I'm so excited that we're going to be doing this every day at noon Eastern. Uh, thank you all for, for joining us on this. And uh, Nick, you want to take us home? You want me to take us home? I could just say this. Yes, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern for the rest of your life. Come party with us. We're going to have a great time. Uh, I, we have no outlaw. Do you want to do the outro? I the, got my outro, yes. You do, do your gimmick. All right. Uh, until next time, best of luck in your future endeavors.